Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone, Om Shanti and welcome to The Next Normal in collaboration with our favorite podcast, America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and I really feel humbled and honored to be able to spend sometimes an hour with you to just talk about life. As simple as life is, we sure know how to make it complicated, don't we? It's all because of a thought, all because of an interpretation. We can make something as simple as washing dishes the most complicated experience between a husband and a wife or between a mother and a child. It is a simple task of washing the dishes and it creates chaos in the home because somebody doesn't want to do it or somebody's too lazy or somebody feels I shouldn't be doing it. Life is like that. It has its ins and its outs, its ups and its downs, but we love it. Without those challenging moments, what would we be doing? Sitting on the banks of the Riviera, sipping a margarita, virgin for that matter. Is that how we would just live? Life is just perfect and everything is great and I just sit back and do nothing with it? No. It's those challenges that move us forward. It's those difficulties that make us check ourselves to find out who are you beneath that skin of yours. It's the victories that give you the conviction and the confirmation that you did something right and that the fight and the battle was worth every bit of it. My special guest came to me as a result of my producer saying, I love this author. I love what she's doing. Susan Lux. Susan Lux currently works as a spiritual counselor specializing in those touched by illness, grief, and loving through death. She lectures and leads workshops on topics of awareness and making room for joy. Throughout her educational career, Susan studied Jewish healing, sacred psychology, spiritual practice as a path of healing, healing aspects of death and dying and guided meditation. Her new book, A Heart's Landscape, An Invitation to the Garden of Moments, was a recent top book pick by Good Morning America's Robin Roberts. Susan is also the co-owner of Nayot Footwear, a company that ethically manufactures handmade comfort shoes in Israel. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Susan Lux to the air. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for showing up in the way that the universe has said, Susan Lux, this is what I'm going to ordain you to do. You are going to make people feel better. Thank you for doing that. Thank you so much for having me here. What a privilege to be here with you and your listeners And I love being sent to places that just bring a smile to my face. Me too. And those places that don't put a smile on my face, I just want to run. (laughs) I know they're good for us. Yes. Susan, you're currently working as a spiritual counselor, 
specializing in those touched by chronic illness, even grief, and loving through that. What inspired your interest in this area? So I grew up in Israel, and I grew up under the clouds of the Holocaust. Also in Israel, almost every person was touched by grief, by death, because of the wars and the situation that we live in in the Middle East there. But grief was never talked about. Grief was handed to us and do with it. We're not going to help you. And I think at a certain point in my life, I think the first time when I was 14, to be honest, it was the Yom Kippur War in Israel. I lived on Kibbutz. And my job, because all the men were drafted into the army, was to stand by the center room on the kibbutz and wait for the sergeant to come by and bring them to the homes of those that had been killed in war and show them where those families lived. And I was 14. Nobody said to me, well, can we help you with what's going on? Because I knew all these people that were being killed. And then again, my parents passed when I was quite young. They left this world. And again, no one said, this is what you should do. It was be strong, be resilient, move on. (laughs) And it always sat someplace in the rooms of my soul. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. My mother has dementia and Mm. I'm grieving that I had lost my best friend, my business partner, a teacher, a mother, a companion. And I remember that there were times, Susan, I'd just talk about her and I would feel extremely overwhelmed by emotions. Now I'm getting much better. There was a time that I would talk to you about this and you could feel that I was tearing up. How did I handle my grief? I think I was in touch with it and I was very open in sharing with my friends and even on air it's a very sensitive place for me. And that was helping me very gradually to overcome my grief of losing her in one way and still having her in another way. What was your process? I'm co-owner of a shoe company, which is called Neot. And about 22 years ago, I looked at my partner in love and life and in business. And I said, I think I have another calling here for now. Are you okay that I will only be part-time. And he said, you know, in Hebrew, we say, lech lecha, go for you. That comes from the Bible. And I went and I studied spiritual counseling. And in that, one of my first teachers, I said to them, you know, I really want to deal with grief. And they looked at me and they said, tell us your grief story first. And I told them my grief story. And they said, first, you must grieve because you really haven't touched grief deep down in the center of your soul. And once you really touch it and you accept it and you embrace it, only then can you go on this journey of reaching out and guiding people through that process. And that's Mm. what I did. It must have been a very profound process, wasn't it? Yes and no, because there were things that came right up. But just all of a sudden, we were just being waited to be discovered, Susan. Thank you for calling upon us. (laughs) And then other things that were hidden so deep down that may have been a little more profound than that. But they all surfaced and were able to put a beautiful, 
I want to call it a shell to hold mm. all of that grief and say, now it's part of your story. You can move mm. on. Beautiful. In working with those who are sort of exiting this world and their families, what have you found have been their main regrets? Did they have any? So I never ask them if they have regrets. I never say to them, do you have a regret? Because I really believe my job or my calling in this situation is to allow them to discover the joy in the moments that they have now for those that are exiting and for those families that are with them while they're exiting, whatever process and as long as that may be. Because if we forget that we still have moments of joy and we still can share moments together that bring a smile, even in the world of dementia, those are just moments. And once those people exit this world, those moments go someplace else. And so I really talk to these people before they exit and for the families about where can we find that joy that's in your heart mm -hmm. for the moments now? Because mm -hmm. you know, Sister Jenna, a moment comes and a moment never returns. It's mm -hmm. a new moment, a different one. But if we can put those moments of joy that we share or that we enable ourselves to experience, and I call it in our heart memory, mm -hmm. we can always return to them. Beautiful. Dealing with grief on its own can already be an isolating experience and it can lead to a lot of anxiety. How can we keep cycles of grief and isolation and anxiety from snowballing? Can we? Can we? That's the question here. As anybody who's experienced grief, and we've all experienced grief in some shape or form, in life, that's just part of the story of life is grief, is that grief can come without an invitation. It just shows up. Even if we think, no, I was sharing with someone, I lost my father 38 years ago in this world. And I'm 63 today, so almost 39 years ago. And I was pregnant with my second daughter at the time. And I really didn't have time to grieve. Two weeks later, I gave birth and I was helping my mom and, oh, there were so many other things. And every now and then, I get a knocking at the door of my soul and it goes, Susan, I'm here. And it's my Abba, which in Hebrew means my dad. And he says, ah, let's talk a bit about what was, what is, and where I am in your life now. And it's another opening to grieve just a little bit. And so this Father's Day, I wrote a whole letter to my children and my five grandchildren telling them about my Abba that I had never shared. And so grief came and I had my sad moments, but how wonderful to celebrate him. So when grief comes to visit, we have to remember we're celebrating that person as well. It's not That's just about point. the tears. That's a great point. It's true, it comes in waves. Just recently, I lost one of my sisters just about two weeks mm -hmm. ago or so. And I was at her funeral in San Francisco. I came back, had a whole bunch of meetings. And just two days ago, 
I was unpacking after my trip. She was always very generous. So after the funeral, we were gifted these gifts that I had never opened until two days ago. And I went into this little pouch that she left behind for all of us to receive. And as I unpacked what was in that little pouch, there was a picture of her that came out with a blessing. And the blessing was, keep staying true and pure so that God's love can be revealed. And I just looked at her picture and there was an emotion that came up inside of me like you would not believe. But the gift that she gave me was this little salt light. So a few years ago, she had bought us a whole bunch of these salt lights, which you could put in the meditation room. But this one was just a little night salt light. And there was something so profound about opening that little pouch and reading her blessing and seeing her eyes and her face. It was as if I knew she had gone from her part that she was playing, but then she left behind herself, like the little light, and she's like, I'm still here. So let's say that your friends or somebody in your family is grieving. What should we never say to someone who's actually grieving? And what is some comforting words that you know we should share? Because it's a very uncomfortable time, and you never really know what to say. I have people that contact me and share with me that they lost someone and then they have to go visit and they say, I don't know what to say. So the biggest thing is you don't have to say anything. You can just put your hand on their hand and say nothing. And sometimes, you know what, Sister Jenna, that says so much more than any one word that can be said. And then if the invitation is, to enter a word conversation as opposed to a heart conversation, then I usually say to the person, how can I show up for you right now? How can I show up? Because there's nothing I could say that would take away the pain that they're experiencing. There's nothing that can bring that person back as they knew him or her. And if the conversation begins, it's because the griever is ready to have that conversation. They will invite you. Also, you know, in Jewish tradition, we have something called Shiva, where it's seven days of sitting. And we come into the person's house and we make sure that the grievers have no job. They just have to sit and be really covered and embraced in love and in compassion. We feed them. We do everything we can for a whole week. And in mystical Judaism, they actually say that the soul hovers around for seven days to make sure you're okay, you're taken care of. The beauty is that we come in and the person who's sitting Shiva says to me, Susan, I'm fine talking about my mom or my dad, but the people who come, they don't know what to say. So it's almost like I have mm-hmm. to comfort them. <laughs> and I always say to them, if you Invite them into a conversation. They will just hop in and join in. But you don't have to. It's not your job. And somehow just putting your hand is more than any word. So that's my advice. Good advice. We're not aware of the power of silence and how silence can be one of the greatest healers. And sometimes we're just uncomfortable with silence that we feel we 
have to say something to comfort someone, but sometimes it's in the silence that has love and empathy and a connection to source that is doing the greatest healing during a time of loss. This has been a very profound time in terms of the world for the last two or three years. I met so many people myself. We have lost so many friends. They've just transitioned from their parts and they've moved on to play other parts. And sometimes you get to a point you don't even know how to grieve. You just accept maybe we're just all souls. Come here, we play our part in our bodies and then we move on. And there's nothing I can do to change that other than appreciate every moment that I have with you. So that's maybe one of the lessons we're learning. For me, that is the key to all the rooms in my soul. Exactly what you just said. It is our moments. That is the biggest gift that we have. And when we look at our time here, it's moment to moment. It's not year to year or month to month. No, I spoke with someone two days ago who is quite ill. And she said to me, I just am worrying that I won't be here for my daughter's wedding. Mm. And I won't be here for this. And I looked at her and I said, you may not be, but I may not be either. We don't know. But what we do know is that right now we have these moments right here. What a gift and what we can do with these moments. You know, when I observe the narrative that's taking place where nothing is certain anymore, everything, you can just keep expecting the unexpected. I mean, in America, (laughs) there's this huge problem of violence with guns, and I can't even imagine what a parent feels when they drop their kids off at school and they never pick them back up or they pick them up in a body bag. I mean, what do you do? And so, yes, I think one of the things we're learning with what we're witnessing at this time is value your every moment with everyone that you have in your life. It is a blessing. So congratulations on the release of your new book, A Heart's Landscape, an invitation to the Garden of Moments. And it's filled with a lot of heartfelt words and inspiring visuals, which I can't wait to look at. How did this book come to be? And what is the meaning of the title? I love talking about this because it makes me smile all over again, as if it was the first time I was being asked that question. As a spiritual counselor, I was always in touch with people going through different things. But I think one of the things that I hadn't experienced about 13 years ago was really going through the process with a close friend. And so about 13 years ago, a dear friend of mine was touched by cancer. And she let everyone know, I'm going to do this on my own. I don't want you talking to me about it. We're not going to discuss it and don't offer any help. Well, Susan is a little bit different. My bond with her was so important. And I decided to write her an email. And in the email, I said to her, I'm going to be sending you an email every day. You don't have to answer. And if you want me to stop, just say, don't send anymore. And I would get up at six o'clock every day because I knew that she was going for treatment and she was an early riser. And I wanted her to have these words, the first thing in her mailbox that would possibly offer her a smiling moment and then maybe invite more smiling moments after that. And I would never mention cancer or illness 
it would be a moment from my awareness, from my meditation moment or from something I noticed or experienced. Within five months, I had never heard from her about it. We talked about other things, but she never mentioned it. And about five months in, phone call at 7.30, because I had had the flu and I hadn't written. And it was her on the other side of the phone. And she said, Susan, where is my morning blessing? How come you didn't send it? (laughs) And I think in that moment, the power, the impact of words of inspiration, of validating that someone is not their illness, the illness is just part of this story, was so strong. And I continued to do this for 365 days. And at the same time, I was working with women that were pre and post mastectomies. And I shared with them the story. And they said, wait a second, Susan, you're sending this out and you're not sending it to us. (laughs) And I started sending it and it grew. It started reaching people all over the world. And I don't know most of these people. Amongst the years, some of them became clients of mine and some I still don't know who they are, but there would always be an email. Why don't you put these in a book? Mm-hmm. I mean, to have this by our bed when we wanted it. And because I was kind of, no, it'll just reach who it has to reach. Then COVID hit. I had become a photographer in the last six years and I had the time. And maybe it was the universe saying, Susan, this is it. This is Beautiful. why COVID is here for you. And the morning inspiration became the heart's landscape because it is a landscape of my heart moments and is a garden of inviting people into their own moments. You know, I can't even imagine the feelings that you, the soul, were going through just from your own process and with Mm -hmm. the photography and then the writing Everyone, I just want you to pause for a moment and just think about those mystical moments that you have, either when you're walking from one room to another and something so deep and meaningful is calling you to remember who you are and to remember why you're here. You know, they're very subtle. They're almost invisible, but they're very, very visible because of that feeling that you have. And I want you to keep remembering that. Put a bookmark there. Is there anything that you hope the readers will take away from this book of yours? We don't know each other very well, but I believe hope is born every morning again because hope can be for one moment. So when you ask me what my hope is, my hope is not in the big picture. My hope is for a moment is when they open this book and their finger lands somewhere on a page and they read it. It brings a moment of awareness to what's in their heart. And they can go, ah, I am validating who I am, where I am, and what my calling is in this moment. And hopefully, in the big picture, it allows their heart to smile. It allows their soul to smile and translate it into a thought that can bring a smile to their moment, no matter what challenge they're going through or went through, mm-hmm. it's there for them. I yeah. think more than anything, I hope in the big picture, Sister Jenna, that it's a hand 
for them to hold that will hold their heart in their hand just when they need it. Sometimes it's the simplest of things that are the greatest cures. Again, I go back to life is really so simple, but we make it so complicated with the way we interpret things. You know, when we are overcome with grief, and we're talking a lot about grief, but we're also talking a lot about joy, change, transformation, acceptance, a lot of these things. But when you're really overwhelmed by grief, which could be the loss of a loved one, could be the loss of a job, business, money, even your health, it's difficult to have a positive frame of mind. Any ideas Ah. on how we can set that grief aside and just experience life's wonders? Someone said to me about a week ago, they say, Susan, you say to us that there's always room for joy, but when you're in this painful, strong grief, I can't tap into joy. Well, my number one thing is that grief is part of our story. It's never going to go away. So I think if we accept that, just like so many other things are part of our story, we don't have that expectation that joy is going to erase the grief. That's number one. Number two, I think it's very freeing to know that there is this joy that lives within us. And it's always there. We don't have to go finding it. It's not on the shelf waiting for us. So it's a part of our story as well. So when we're in that pain, in that moment of grief, be gentle with yourself. Don't judge where you are. There is no right or wrong grief. I know that people talk about the five steps of grief. I tend to shy away from that a little bit because it's like where you to are. Rush you through the grief. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. You are where you are, and no two grief are the same. How I experience it, most probably, is going to be extremely different than you experience it, Sister Jenna. No mm. two souls are alike. You know, embracing it and saying, "This is where we are," but I know that joy is there for me. Yeah, and yeah. some people say to me. It's this guilt that how can I be joyful if I'm grieving? How can resilience allow a moment for joy? Well, yes, you can. You can smile. You can laugh because trust me, grief is not going anywhere. It'll come back. That a lot of people feel that if you have lost something, that you have to be in mourning and. I've been to so many funerals with very close folks and I'm just celebrating that they've moved on and this is their part. There's no doubt sometimes I feel like, oh, I would have loved them to just be more with me, you know, but I've often felt this is beyond my ability to hold them here. There is a real deep significance why they've moved on. If I keep holding the sorrow, do I hold them back from the soul really moving on to their next role of joy. It's a question that I've often had. And so I felt a kind of a commitment to saying the joy part is, I know this is destiny. I know this is beyond my abilities and my powers. And I know that there's benefit in this scene. But then there's the attachment in the soul that says, no, 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 it shouldn't be like this. Why did this happen to me? And it's interesting how these two energies tend to collide which creates a real interesting part of emotions. You know, thoughts are so powerful. 
Yeah. We become sometimes our own enemies, Susan. And when we hold on to negative or limited thoughts, what are sometimes the things that we have to do to get over it? I mean, we can be our own worst enemy. So a thought is just the thought. That's all it is. Took the power away from the thought. It's just the thought. That's all it is. And I believe that our mind, our heart, and our soul, there is a road that goes from each part. And sometimes the thought causes a huge traffic jam on that beautiful road. And the thought comes down and doesn't allow what our heart wants at that moment to happen. And so a moment of awareness, a moment of stillness, a moment of just being quiet, I think quietude is huge, can allow that traffic jam sometimes to just clear out. And the policewoman that's rearranging all the traffic on that road can say, wait, I think it's clear now. I think it's clear. And then we can realize it's what's in the heart, what's in the soul that really lifts us to this place that we're supposed to be here in this universe. And a thought is just a thought. Yeah, it can take you left, it can take you right, it can take you up, it can take you down. And I think the question is, how do these thoughts impact my interior world? And am I aware of how powerful thoughts really are, especially the way they connect to our destiny? So I love conversations on thoughts because this whole world is being revolved because of thoughts. So let's go into the thought of your company, Nayot. You're the co-owner of Nayot, a footwear company. You're so multifaceted. Thank you so much for being that. So tell us about your company and its charitable work that's bringing so much happiness to so many. So we make comfort shoes and sandals. I don't know if your listeners or you know what a kibbutz is. So I will share in case there aren't. A kibbutz is like a commune. It's very different today than the way I grew up. It's a shared society. And that's the beautiful part of what it was, is that we are in this together. So they're made on a kibbutz on the northern border of Israel. And these are shoes of peace. And they are made with that message that is the intent of these shoes. And they are made in the most diverse place in Israel. In this factory, there is every human spirit of every color and shape and religion and gender and thought and laughter and tears together. Every shoe and sandal is touched by 50 souls. And their intent, in Hebrew we say, is tikkun olam, which means repairing the world. And we believe that that is the basis of what we do. We just do it through comfort shoes. Because when you bring comfort to the sole of your foot, believe me, your soul heals you better as well. <laughs> and so we donate around the world, especially in the United States, but also we just sent to Ukraine. We donate shoes and additional things when we have to, to people in need. And it could be every week in the United States, we find a different cause. And we donate shoes because... There are people that live in this country and around the world that have never, ever known a pair of shoes or a new pair of shoes. 
And it is our privilege and our honor that we are able to do that. So we are in connection with so many different places to do this. I find that offering of your company being a co-founder provocative because after the Holocaust, one of the most crippling scenes I remembered were those piles of shoes. And I've worked with so many groups of the Judaic culture, and one of the things I've known that touches their hearts is when they see too many shoes in one place, as if that memory comes back, and it feels as if Nayot is really becoming a healing to transform the impact that image left on our consciousness of what shoes represent, as if the shoes were more important than the lives. You know, and I think that's quite deep. Wow. So actually, Neot was founded in 1942. Yes, I have worked with Neot for the last 30-something years, and we became owners close to 10 years ago of the international company because investors wanted to sell the company to China. And we said, no, there is too much here that is invested in the human spirit. And we did everything we could in every resource that we could find to maintain that company and these people and the message that we have. And as someone who grew up under the cloud of the Holocaust, as my children did and my grandchildren do because it's there, it's interesting that you bring that. I never put that connection there because for me, it's in the walls of my home as opposed to seeing pictures, things that made it here from Germany without their owners. So I never actually put that together. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. So thank you for that. Sure. As you look back at your life, what's maybe your greatest life lesson? Greatest life lesson. Oh, I am a student of life. They happen every second and every moment. I want to say two. One is something that my father taught me. You know, he was Cuban. And my father said, when your number is up, it's up. So it is the moments that matter. Enjoy them. So that's a very strong message and lesson. And I think the other one is that you can learn from every single human Mm -hmm. spirit that you see, talk to, encounter, or just pass by. And that's really what my morning inspirations are about. And it could be even from a bird. Mm -hmm. A bird can teach me because someone is coming back to say hi. Beautiful. Susan Lux, thank you so much for spending this time with us and being very authentic and open about your journey and even educating us more on certain things about griefing that maybe we've been missing. Any final thoughts you'd like to add? And please leave us with a website where our viewers can get in touch with you if they need to. So my website is susanplax.com. And there you can find all the information about my morning inspiration. You can sign up. I send it out three times a week. You can find out about my work, read my blog, buy my book or my ebook. But my thought is, I think the most important is in this world that we are in today, remember the power of compassion. 
Mm. That's my thought. Beautiful. We definitely need that more and more. Susan Lux, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me and for the lessons I learned today. Ditto. Well, folks, we've gotten a lot of insights on grief, love, joy, courage, acceptance, evolving, endless, isn't it? Who knows what's going to happen in the next moment? But as Susan's dad taught her, just live every moment. Just value every moment of your life. Even if it looks like you're sitting down on the couch doing nothing, have a thought of value. Think about a dream. Send your blessings or your good wishes to somebody on the other side of the planet. Maybe you might be watching the news and you're feeling like the country's going to hell. Say it's not. My good wishes and my blessings will make this country shine like never before. Just think about it. If you can just turn your thoughts around and make them into the thoughts and the reality that you really want to have, rather than feeding the hell and the despair. The survivors of Holocaust, look at what they've endured. Look at who they are today. They've contributed so much, not only to the country, but to the world. I don't want to go into all the politics and all the stuff that goes on around this topic. I'm just talking about the people and the resilience of these people. So many African-Americans, Indians who've been enslaved, the Latin American culture. It's a cycle. And in order for us to break these cycles of pain and suffering and sorrow and despair, I'm going to have to come to some deep form of acceptance and transform the way that we see our life and things. Evolve now. If you can't evolve now, then when? Thank you so much for joining us on America Meditating Radio and in collaboration with The Next Normal. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and I'd like you to keep in mind no one has the capacity to take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I suspect that why we're born on this planet is to cultivate the ability to love each other the same. There will be world peace. Thanks again for joining us. Be safe, be kind, be humble. Life will be very beautiful. Take care, and I'll see you again real soon. When I was asked by Sacred Stories Publishing to write a book on mystical divine experiences, initially I said no, those are too private. But then when they came back again to urge me to do it, I said, why not? It'll be of service because over 25 co-authors would, have, would be joining me on this journey to share their own experiences. In meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplating practices, you will read stories from our co-authors of a heartfelt clarity about a father's death giving his son a new life. You will hear the story of a woman embracing her wounded inner child and healing herself. You will even hear stories about an inexplicable medical miracle and so much more. This book has a life of its own. You will learn how listening to your inner silence can help you overcome life obstacles and reclaim your spiritual power. I hope that you'll be able to dive deep into this and maybe even explore your own mystical and divine experiences for your life to change. For your life to become one that is completely full and rich of everything good. Enjoy and thank you for looking into meditation 
intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. Happy Holidays, located at 6838 Piedmont in Gainesville, Virginia. We're a family-owned restaurant and offer authentic Asian cuisine and sushi. Come, savor our delicacies made with love and enjoy the perfect ambiance. We look forward to seeing you there. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.